0: Give him the glory. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you and thank you for your giving tonight. I'm going to take just a moment here to talk about a little bit about what we have on our table out in the foyer of the church there and uh, announcing a radical sale tonight. Uh, buy any item. You can have a second item of equal or lesser value for half off, so we'll uh, help you out that way. We have our Be Healed cards out there. Everyone just scream right out loud. What is a be healed card, doctor? Well, they're better than get well cards. Okay. <laughs> they uh, there's actually uh, we have four different designs of them uh, on our staff at Heart of the Father. We we are actually a, a paid staff of four. Uh, we have a prophetic artist named Jan, and I gave her the assignment to come up with four watercolors to serve as the uh, masters for these prints. And she took several months to do that, and uh, this is how they turned out. So each one of them said, this one is Jesus coming out of the tomb, actually, so it would be great for Easter. Um, But on the outside of the card it says, be healed, and then your person opens it up, And in the inside it says, in the name of Jesus, there's room for you to write your own greeting in there. comes with an envelope to send it in. And then each one comes with this CD. And the CD is not teaching or preaching about healing. It is a healing declaration uh, that was given at one of our healing festivals, a night when dozens of people got healed of some really serious stuff, including a six-year-old autistic boy that was healed in his mind, his mind-brain connection, everything he was speaking, complete sentences to his mother in the van on the way home from the meeting. I think you should give Jesus some praise for that. Hallelujah. Um, so that's the idea. Your person gets the card, they're encouraged by that, but then they begin playing the CD. Uh, and there's also five powerful testimonies of healing on the CD also. Um kicking and screaming, we're being dragged into the digital age, so we have all of our table stuff on this uh, little flash drive here that's inside of here, all of our messages, all of the books, uh, and actually uh, four video messages that aren't on the table there are on this, this uh, flash drive. So that's out there as well for all you techie people. Um, this is our really the core set of messages of our ministry, Father God likes you okay we uh we really believe that people need to know that when people come to church they're used to hearing god loves you and then we say in return well thank you god loves you too now we got that out of con- we got that uh, in control let's let's get on to something else so uh sherry and i my wife and i uh had such a radical revelation of the Father's love in that time period the pastor was speaking of there from 1997 to 2000 that it just changed everything for us. And uh, we found out that Father God likes us <laughs> as well as loving us. And we found out uh, because at that time the founding of this ministry in 2000, we have four sons. Three of them were prodigals. We found out that we could go beyond loving our sons because every parent on this earth, if you ask them, do you love your children? Everyone would say, what kind of idiot are you? Of course I love them, the little, you know. I love them. But do you like them? And that learning to like them is a whole different deal. And in a period of three and a half years, those three prodigal sons came home, all the way back home. Hallelujah. And then uh, it's quite a story. Part of the story is in this set, actually. The prodigals are coming home. But um, then we started praying for our future daughters-in-law, because none of them even had a serious girlfriend at this point. And then we had three weddings in one year, and now, now we're getting an abundance of grandchildren. Hallelujah. This August, when this next one comes out, we're going to have 20 grandchildren. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, we read a scripture about that. It said, be fruitful and multiply, remember? <laughs> All right. So, amen. We got books out there. Uh, this uh, brown book here is basically my testimony. Uh Actually, back at that time, Pastor was referencing, I had an encounter with Jesus on Highway 11 outside of Ellendale, North Dakota. Um, Wound up with me repenting, getting right with God, getting my whole, well, getting out of my mind, basically. I I was pretty much in my mind up till that point. And uh, getting out of my mind and into the mind of Christ. That's really where we need to be. Most Americans require way too much of their minds my mind has got to solve my problems my mind has got to deal with my finances my mind has got to deal with all these relationships my mind my mind my mind and and what as a culture what are we doing we're stressed out we're wiped out we're anxiety depression the the whole shot and i'm here to tell you that the prince of peace is coming on the scene can you say amen to that tonight it's true And so that's really the message of that book. Uh, This red book is my book about apostolic stuff. Um, There's a lot of stories in there of what Jesus has done and miracles and signs and wonders all over the world. And then this little book here is very powerful. It's very small, but it's very powerful. How to Receive Your Healing from God and Keep It. Receiving your healing is wonderful. Keeping it is even better. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So... Um, If you're new to our ministry, we have newsletters out there. I know some of you already get our newsletter, but if you would like to receive our newsletter, just sign up on the clipboard out there, and you'll start getting them every three months. Well, hallelujah. Everyone scream right out loud, I'm ready for the word, doctor. All right, I believe you are. It's the word and the spirit coming together, amen? Amen. Is that where it's at or what? Hallelujah. It really is. So let's fire up that uh, PowerPoint there, please. And we're going to go into the Word for a while. Thank you, Jesus. We will have more prayer, by the way, after the message tonight. We'll pray for whatever you want prayer for because I am serving a God who is able And he's not only able, he's willing. Can you say amen? He's both able and willing. So hallelujah. Tonight in this message, I'm going to unveil a secret to you that I believe is very, very important to your Christian life. And it's important to understanding the ministry of Jesus. Because when we look at Jesus in the Gospels, I mean, just think about it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we're like, oh, man, we read these Gospels, and we're like, Jesus. Jesus always did it right. Isn't that right? I mean, Jesus just, (laughs) it didn't matter what the situation was, Jesus was the master of the situation. Didn't matter if it was a relationship deal within the disciples, didn't matter if it was a demonized kid that some parent brought or uh, some horrible disease or whatever it was, Jesus had the answer and he, he brought the answer to bear on the situation. That's the guy we're exalting here tonight, Jesus, right? And there is, I believe, there is a secret to why Jesus' ministry looks the way it does. And uh, so we're going to start this by just saying that authority and power belong together. So let's go to the next slide, please. And let's try uh, starting out here tonight with this little statement right here. Showing power does not make you mature, okay? We all want the power of God in our lives. I do, you do, and and God wants us to have it. But just displaying the power of God by itself does not make you mature. On the other hand, bearing fruit does not make you powerful by itself. But when power and authority come together, The kingdom of God advances greatly. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. Everyone scream right out loud. I'm hungry, doctor. doctor. Scream it right out loud. Feed me some Greek, doctor. doctor. Okay, that wasn't screaming, but I'll take it. (laughs) All right. Matthew chapter 8, please. We're going to encounter a word in this passage called exousia. Exousia is the authority coming from intimacy with the Father and the Son. It is the right to speak and act. And I came here tonight to tell you that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, this exousia is upon you. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you have the right to speak and act. Hallelujah. So let's look at it here, beginning in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8. Says now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. All right, everybody, what is a centurion? Talk to me. What's a centurion? Is that an insurance company? Or uh, c- come on, it's a it's a Roman captain, a commander. That's right, a leader of a hundred men. Therefore, the title centurion. Okay, so he's an officer in the Roman army. Think about this with this story. He's a leader in the occupying military force <laughs> whose main job is to keep the population subject to the rule of Rome so that the tax money keeps getting collected and gets keeps being sent over to Rome so that all that, Everything you heard about that lifestyle continues there, and it it was some crazy stuff. That's this guy. But something happened to this centurion. And here he is as a Gentile among many thousands of Jews. He certainly is not a Jew himself. He's a Gentile in in the Roman army. And he comes up to Jesus in verse 6. Here's what he said in verse 6. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now what happens next, you really have to take notice of. I don't know how you read the Bible, but I read the Bible looking for stuff that is unusual. Okay? Because if you let the unusual stuff jump out at you, it can really do some powerful things in your life. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now tell your neighbor, that's unusual. Very good, very good. I don't know about you, but if I had Jesus standing in front of me in the body and he said, hey, I want to come over to your house and heal some people, I think I'd say, come on over. (laughs) But that's not what the centurion said. He said, no, Jesus, you, you just stay right here. Just speak a word. And How did he know that? That is an amazing statement coming from a Gentile, a guy who doesn't have all the background in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and Daniel, and David. He he doesn't know all of that stuff like the Jews do. He's just walked on the scene, but he is in the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. Where everything changes. Look what he says next. For I also am a man under exousia, Turn to your neighbor real quick and tell him, I know what that means. Go ahead, tell him. There you go. (laughs) I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. This centurion voices, an understanding of authority that is really amazing. In fact, what this centurion has done is he has reached into his own life world and pulled out truth about authority, and he has applied it to the one who's standing in front of him, who is Jesus, who is all authority. And somehow he's made that connection when nobody else around him was doing this. Not even these Israelites that are all around him. Now, if you want to see something really unusual in Scripture, look at verse 10. In fact, you really, you should get ready to gasp when I read this, okay? So let's practice a big gasp together, okay? So you're all ready. Ready? Just breathe out. I go, oh, now go. That's pretty good. Let's, let's, we're practicing. Let's try it again. Breathe out. Now, there, that was a gasp. Okay. You ready? When Jesus heard it, he marveled. What in the world? How do you make Jesus marvel? Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. We could just sit here all night till midnight telling you who Jesus is, just with more and more names and titles and and everything about Jesus. And he marvels when this Gentile Roman army officer makes this statement. Yep, that's what the Bible said. And Jesus said to those who followed... Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Are you ready to gasp again? Not even in Israel. (laughs) Jesus. You're telling all these good faithful Israelites standing around here that this Gentile who is an officer in the oppressing military force, you're telling him he has more faith than all of us? Jesus, yeah, that's what I said. You're like Jesus, come on. Whoa. Wow. Well, jump down to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. The centurion drew out of his life world an understanding of authority. And applied it to Jesus I would suggest to you tonight no I'll do better than that I will highly commend to you tonight (laughs) that you do the same that you draw some structures from structures of authority in your life and find a way to transfer that over to Jesus Every one of us has authority structures in our lives. We have bosses. We have employers. We have, uh, you know, we have police. We have, you know, there's there's all kinds of authority going on in, in our society. Find a way to do what the centurion did and drag out authority that you have personally experienced And say, Jesus, I'm going to make a connection with you, with this thing right here. And I'm going to understand you better. Because, Jesus, your authority is perfect. Now, you won't find perfect authority, probably, in your natural life world. Let's say, for example, you wanted to learn it from the uh, South Dakota State Highway Patrol. Okay. And let's just say you were out here on Highway 14 and you were doing... um, Well, let's just say you were going very fast, okay? And all of a sudden, uh, a car was behind you with a blue glare. (laughs) Why do you pull your car over to the side of the road? Because that little light bar on top of that car means he has authority. So you submit to that authority, and you pull your car over pretty soon a man in a smoky bear hat comes walking around the side of your car and he says to you thy speedometer runneth over (laughs) 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 and next he's gonna he's gonna start writing on this paper thing at least that's how they used to do it i don't know how they i haven't gotten a ticket for a long time so (laughs) i don't know but Do they still do it with the paper? (laughs) Okay, all right. I mean, everything's digital now, right? But I don't know. (laughs) But he's going to start writing, and he's going to say, it's time for you to give a large offering to the state of South Dakota. (laughs) That's a moment, instead of being all bummed out, and being all grumpy and everything all about, say, oh, I remember in church on Saturday night, and there was this out-of-his-mind guy there, and he was saying, we should draw something out of that. That's my life world. I'm going to draw some understanding of authority from that. I had to submit to the authority that was put over me. Hallelujah. And you know what? When you begin to practice that, and you just begin to do it, And you submit to the authority of Jesus, oh man. You're putting yourself in a place because here's the deal with Jesus Jesus' authority extends over diseases, over sinfulness, over demons, over, I mean, you name it, Jesus has authority over it, right? And you set yourself in alignment with that, kind of like you pulled your car over to the side of the road. And that was a good thing, because if you hit the gas and started going faster, then you'd get into another whole set of learning experiences. <laughs> we just had one over in Minnesota, man. It took them a half hour to catch the guy, Bounced the car off of a garage, got back out on the street, and finally they, they, they got him. But, and he didn't kill anybody, thank God. But, but draw out of your life world and apply it to Jesus. So anyway, that's uh, exousia. Now let's go to the next slide, please. Everyone scream again. I'm still hungry, doctor. Feed me some more, Greek doctor. All right, I've got more for you. All right, I can tell you're all hungry. Acts chapter 1. What a chapter, X chapter 1, man, oh man. Whew. And then comes chapter 2, oh, wow. But verse 8, these are the words of Jesus. Now Jesus is in the resurrection body. He's about to ascend back into heaven. But he says to the disciples, you shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Dunamis, explosive power, the ability to get things done. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, as is described in Acts chapter 2, and by the way, Jesus was prophesying that event, in his words in verse 8 that we just read that in the next chapter tells you how it all happened when that happens you come into a collision with dunamis we get our english words dynamic dynamo dynamite all those english words come from this greek word dunamis explosive power the ability to get things done And every one of you here tonight that is baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have this. (laughs) That's what's really awesome. And it's true. Let's uh, just apply this second part of the verse. We receive the power, the ability to get things done. We become witnesses to him in Jerusalem. For you guys, that's Huron. This is your Jerusalem right here. Everybody believe that? It is. And then you get to go branch out into Judea. That's the state of South Dakota. And then next comes Samaria. That's the United States of America. And then there's the end of the earth. Hallelujah. I like it out there at the end of the earth. Some people don't like it out there, but I like it. It's not comfortable out there, but Jesus always comes through. Hallelujah. And I have a town in India that I I would uh, submit to you as a candidate for being at the end of the earth. It's a town called Duver. Funny thing was, when we got there and we told them where we were from, they thought we were from the end of the earth. (laughs) But Duver, to me, was the end of the earth. We told people we were going there. They said, why are you going there? Do you know what's there? I said, well, I've heard a little bit about it. It's kind of like a big uh, mash pot of, mixing pot of occult practices and the Hindu religion and the Muslim religion and and Buddhism and seances and pacts with the devil and all this. And I I said to this guy that said, why are you going there? I said, I heard the devil is there, hallelujah. (laughs) And I've got dunamis, hallelujah. And we're going to go and snatch some souls out of the hand of the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friend, we've we've got to get back to this in the church in America. It's heaven or hell. It's righteousness or unrighteousness. There is no middle ground. Every soul that has ever come into life on this planet is either going to go to heaven when they die or they're going to go to hell. And hell is real, and so is heaven. They're more real than than the reality we're living here now. This is just a fleshly, passing, temporal thing. Heaven and hell are eternal realities. And so we got there to dever. and we just started preaching the gospel. Set up on a field, a village with a population of 1,000, okay, by far the smallest village we've ever tried to do a crusade in. And there we were, five nights. When we finished that fifth night, how many people do you think had stepped forward to put their name in a signature, whether they had been a Muslim or a Hindu or a nominal Christian, whatever they had been, signing their name, I have decided to follow Jesus. 5,500 people in a village of 1,000. Hallelujah. That was a good week. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, the power of the devil was subject to us in Jesus' name. Not about us. It's about him. You exalt him and make him the center of it all. They've got no answer for that. That whole kingdom of darkness. If there's, it's the kingdom of darkness has given us fake news about itself for a long time. Okay, it's scary. It's uh, it is. If if your heart and mind are not in the right place, it's mean. It's ugly. It, it's ugly. All right, but Jesus has won the victory. And Jesus said in this verse that the power that we receive gives us the ability to speak and act. That's in the authority that we already had, but it's the ability to get things done in this dunamis anointing, hallelujah, by the Holy Spirit. So there you have it. So let's go to the next slide here, please. Okay, this is where you're going to get the great secret of Jesus' ministry. Okay. It really was worth your time coming here tonight because you're going to get a hold of this, I believe. Luke chapter 4. If we can turn there, please. Luke chapter 4 is an amazing story. I call this story Jesus Goes to Church. <laughs> You got people all over the place. Oh, if we could just get Jesus to come to our church. Well, I don't know. I hope you like it if he comes. <clears throat> Let's read the story. <laughs> then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with exousia, Ooh, authority was dripping off of Jesus. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Sunday morning church with Jesus in attendance. Hallelujah. (laughs) But Jesus, verse 35, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Now look at verse 36. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is, for with exousia and dunamis, with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. In other words, Jesus was constantly living at that meeting point of authority and power and he never let them get separated from each other. Unfortunately, in the church, down through church history, they have gotten separated. We have whole denominations in Christianity that are, well, we're, we are the dunamis people. Well, we are the exousia people. Well, we are the hybrid of this, uh, this way over here. If we would just do what Jesus did and, and observe this unity the way Jesus observed it, we would be able to do the things Jesus did. Everyone scream right out loud, how do you know this doctor? (laughs) Well, uh, let me tell you a story. (laughs) Uh, About, let's see, it's almost two years ago now. I was in a church on a Sunday morning. Not Friday night, not Saturday night, not Sunday night. Sunday morning, the church was not in India. It was not in Africa. It was in Michigan. Some of you are going, "Well, of course, you know, Michigan." <laughs> no, it was in Michigan. I have preached in this church many times over the years. The pastor was a great friend of mine. He had been a student of mine in Bible college. And here we are in Sunday morning service. We had worship, and he was introducing me. And the Lord said to me, just broadcast healing over the whole crowd. Don't pray for people individually this morning. So I started doing that right as I got up to minister. And I'm right in the middle of doing this. I am not rebuking demons per se. I am not doing anything i'm just naming some diseases that the lord was dropping into my heart that he wanted to heal and you know that that kind of thing and from the back of this church which was full of course on sunday morning comes this scream from this woman way louder than that i'm like hmm not india not africa Michigan, hallelujah. Now, I know this would never happen in South Dakota. You know, right? <laughs> so she just did it once, and then she went back to her where her chair was, and I just kept on doing what I was doing. In a couple minutes, I got done, and so I said, okay, now, check yourself. Is there anybody here in this time? where the power of God has just healed you in this little time of ministry. And she came running right up to the front. I'm like, well, praise God. And I remember this scene like it was slow motion, seriously. So there she stands. She gives this very rambling testimony that I really did not understand. And uh, I said, I want to pray for you some more. And my hand, this was the slow motion, was my hand coming down and finally hitting the top of her head. And when my hand touched her head, she was thrown to the floor by the power of a demon spirit. She arched her back, crab-walked around in a circle in front of everybody, a full church on Sunday morning. That's not what I would have preferred. (laughs) Okay, okay yeah so there she is her back she's crab walking and I'm like hmm okay so I walked over to where she was and I said to the demon stop and it stopped and I said come out of her and it came out of her and the instant that she relaxed and the instant her back hit the floor With supernatural strength, she flipped over on her stomach and started slithering like a snake all across the front of the church, the full church on Sunday morning. Thank you, Jesus. Again, that is not what I would have preferred. But Jesus is Lord. So I walked over to where she was now a second time, and I spoke to that demon, and I said, stop. It stopped. I said, come out of her in the name of Jesus, and it came out of her. See, I choose to live at that meeting point where authority and power come together. I choose to be at a place where God can, can flow in my life both gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit at the same time. And that's what we're going to talk about that next, but here's what happened with this lady. so she now she really relaxed and lays down. the pastor's wife came, she kind of helped her get into a chair, and uh, in fact, we had a night service uh, that Sunday night, and I got after that service, I got a wonderful half hour with this lady where I just poured into her with prayer and ministry, and she was baptized in the Holy spirit. It, it was amazing but but in the morning yet. Yeah, now I'm, you know, so that all happened, but now she's set free, but everybody's kind of, uh, you know, Jesus came to church today, <laughs> you know. And um, all through my preaching of my message, I was saying to myself, this is what I was saying. I was saying, Nichols, when this service is over, you are going to go to the back door of this church, and you are going to stand there, and you are going to talk to anybody that wants to talk about this way on, the, on their way out of church. I took myself by the back of the neck, and I did. And I went back there, and at least a dozen people stopped on the way out of church that day. Do you know what they said? One of them said, I'm so glad this happened in our church here on Sunday morning. Another one stopped and said, we need to see more of this. I said, thank you. you know? uh, there was not one negative comment from that whole group. And I was really glad I did that. Because we tell ourselves a lot of things about it. And I'm not saying you should, you know, every Sunday morning you should have demons cast out of people. Graphically in front of everybody. That's just how it happened. I, and it strikes me that it's pretty much the way it happened here in this story in Luke chapter 4. And the point is that if we will live... Where Dunamis and Exousia come together, demons are really not scary at all. They are subject to us in his name. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus' ministry looks that way in the Gospels. Now, next slide, please. So here it is, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in this topic that we are on here tonight let's just read through the points here the fruit of the spirit galatians 5 is the expression of the nature of jesus love joy peace you know the fruit of the spirit the whole list the bearing of this fruit leads to authority just by that very nature that very nature of jesus itself is just oozing authority and it's awesome The gifts of the Spirit are the many-sided power of God applied to every aspect of human life. The manifestation of these gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you know the the gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, uh, prophecy, all all the gifts of the Spirit. The manifestation of these gifts leads to God's power being seen. And the tragedy is that down through church history, it's like it's been a choice. It's like this is a menu. Let's see, do we want a fruit? Let's see, what fruit do we want today? Maybe today we'll deal with joy. And, and like we don't have any other of the fruit or, or any of the gifts. And then we, oh, well, today let's work on the gifts of the Spirit. And maybe, you know, maybe somebody could give a prophecy. But we don't want any other gifts of the Spirit. And, and we certainly don't want to let the fruit be here when we're, we're using gifts. Let's end that. And let's let Jesus' secret be our secret. Can you say amen to that tonight? And let's flow the fruit of the Spirit at the same time that we are working and ministering in the gifts of the Spirit. And I am here to, to confidently assure you tonight that as a believer in Jesus, there is a mix of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God has designed specifically for you. Go ahead, look at your neighbor and tell him, little old me. <laughs> Go ahead, tell him. Point your finger at your neighbor and tell him, little old you. <laughs> gifts of the Holy Spirit, Hallelujah by the anointing and by the baptism of the Spirit. So, there you have it. So, next slide, please. <clears throat> Everyone scream right out loud, what does this look like, doctor? <laughs> here it is, right here. This picture was taken in a village in Tanzania called Kahama. Kahama. Those two policemen and those other three men are carrying a demonized man off the field. We call him the madman of Kahama. he The first time I saw him, this was the first night of the crusade. Many people had already been healed. We were taking some healing testimonies on the platform. The glory of God, the presence of God was definitely there. And the first time I saw this guy, the crowd was splitting apart from the back, and this man was running full blast right at the platform, right at me. And I said to myself, if this guy doesn't slow down, he's going to be in a world of hurt real soon. And he slammed his body against the steel undergirding of our platform and fell back and flopped around on the ground like a fish, but it didn't hurt him at all. He was very demonized. And so this picture happened. These guys hauled him off to the side. We went on with the meeting. And when that guy ran to our platform, something clicked for me that I had wondered about for years. You know the story of the Gadarene demoniac in Mark chapter 5? It says in that story, when Jesus' stepped foot on the territory of Gadara, the madman came running to him. I always wondered about that. If this guy is so possessed by Satan, and by the way, I have put that word out of my English vocabulary in talking about demonized people because I don't believe Satan owns anybody. I believe it's a terrible translation of the Greek verb daimonizomai, which should be translated demonized or under the influence of a demon spirit. Anyway, that's a subject for another day. Just kind of of hold it out at arm's length and look it over for a while, okay? I understood because this guy was doing the same thing the presence of God, he he somehow knew the presence of God was being manifested there on that platform and he wanted to be free. The most demonized guy in the Bible, the madman of Gadara, and the most demonized guy I have ever seen, and I've seen a few, this guy is, is the most. They both did the same thing. They ran to the presence of God, oh, that that is an amazing thing. So we came to the end of the service, and um, I sent the team down to lay hands on the sick, and I went down kind of behind them. so now I'm down on the ground, I don't have a microphone, I'm just a guy standing on the field, except for one thing. <laughs> I am a guy who knows Jesus' secret, hallelujah, that you live at the intersecting point of power and authority. So two African men that looked like linebackers, uh, picked uh, somehow they subdued this guy all, all through the meeting, and, and these two picked him up and brought him, and they stood him right in front of me. Now I'm six or seven feet from the madman. And what do you do? I mean, my mind raced. And it landed real quick on this question. What would Jesus do? (laughs) And so I reared back without a mic or any PA system or anything like that. As loud as I could, I said one little two-letter word. The only thing I said to the man, or to the really to the demons that were in him, and there were hundreds in him, I said, "Go," as loud as I could one time. And I closed my mouth and I stepped back and I watched. And for about six or seven minutes, demons peeled off of this guy. His head would kind of move around a little. His eyelids would flutter. He'd shake a little bit. He didn't run. He didn't roll around on the ground. I believe he was being held in place by mighty warring angels. I believe the mercy of God was coming to this man in a revelation of who Jesus is and that Jesus is the stronger one. Hallelujah. After about six or seven minutes like that, I couldn't help myself. I stepped forward, and here's, so far, we're probably talking about gifts of the Spirit. We're probably talking discerning of spirits, maybe faith, and all of a sudden, the fruit of the Spirit kicked in. I couldn't help myself. I loved this man so much. I can't even explain that to you. How can you love a guy that was dragged, dragged himself, he lived in the garbage dumpsters of that city? He subsisted on the garbage that people threw away. Oh no, it wasn't nutritious uh, here on South Dakota garbage. This was third world village garbage that he lived on. And I stepped forward and I grabbed him in my arms and I held him to myself. And I've been rebuked by the experts, so go ahead. If you need to, feel free. He was demonized and he had all kinds of demons in him yet and you held him? I said, yeah, I did. I got somebody inside of me, hallelujah. He's way bigger than any demon they've got. He's really in here. So I held him and I wasn't saying anything. I wasn't prophesying over him. I was just loving him. That was my little part. And God was doing his big part. And more demons came out of him. And finally, I let go of him. And I I could see the light of reason coming into his eyes. And if you look at the picture, you'll see by that one policeman's leg, there's a yellow piece of cloth. You can see that's a yellow shirt. That's the only garment he had on his body. It's tied by the sleeves around his waist. So now he's set free. His mind is working again clearly and um, he's trying to get his arms in those sleeves and get the shirt on and I'm praying, God, let it, I'm helping him. I'm praying, God, let it be long enough, please, because now a crowd is watching us. We turned him over to two pastors that took turns sleeping and watched him all night and into the next day. And they called us the next day and this is what they said. They said, we are calling to tell you that he is okay and we're like well what do you mean okay i mean this guy was demonized for years he was an outcast of the society a madman the whole thing they said well we gave him water for a bath i said that's very good remember i was holding him i said thank you (laughs) they said we gave him clothes. He put the clothes on his body. He didn't rip the clothes and tear them. He said, we gave him food. He sat down at a table and ate the food like anyone else would. They said, he carries on a conversation in our Swahili language. He is set free, delivered, and whole. And we praised Jesus. Now, next slide, please. There he is. The next night, testifying to the crowd. Give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. We've had follow-up from him and about him. He is attending a Pentecostal church on the north end of that village. He has a job. He's supporting himself. And he's going on with life in Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Satan is not Lord. Jesus defeated him. And you and I are here to enforce that defeat against the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. So live at that point. Now, one more picture. Turn to that. I don't know if you can see this. Maybe um, how it is. Ooh, the lights are too bright. But anyway, there is a gray form behind this worship team. This is the third night now. We sent the worship team up there to close out the service right at dusk. And there's a gray form behind them. It's the former madman of Kahama with his hands raised. (laughs) His heart abandoned to Jesus in praise and worship as the team is leading him, worshiping his creator and his redeemer and his savior. Friend, that scene right there yeah, actually if you look at the, the oh you guys can't see that one. It's it's a little you can see it a little bit on that monitor. <clears throat> that made that whole trip worthwhile. I, I would fly halfway around the world to Tanzania one just to see that. And we saw thousands of people saved in those five nights. But that man got set free. Hallelujah. So next slide. The terms of our commission. Matthew 28. Nothing has really changed. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All exousia has been given to me in heaven and on earth, all authority. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. And then we don't even need to turn back to it, but once again, Acts 1.8 The risen Jesus saying, you shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Jesus not only lived this way himself when he was here on the earth, he made it possible for us to do the same. And so let me remind you tonight, The reason we come together, the reason we have corporate worship, it's awesome, it's wonderful, the presence of God comes, just like it did here tonight. We stand in his glory. And yes, it is for us first to get us into alignment with who he is. But it's also being manifested among the people of God now Because there are people out there that need to see his glory. In the mall, in the Walmart, at the workplace. And you and I are the perfect ones to be doing this. (laughs) Not that we are technically perfect in in everything we... Let's just use it in the way we do when we communicate with one another. You say, Ah, oh, you know, whatever. I'll be there at 7 o'clock, and someone says, perfect. <sighs> All right. Let's believe that Jesus really meant what he said, and he really has the power to carry it through. It really is amazing. Can I just tell you one story in closing here tonight? It's uh, it happened up in Grand Forks actually. I was doing a series of meetings up there, and one of the days the pastor said, "Hey, let's let's go get lunch." And I said, "Great." We're sitting in the restaurant. Our waiter comes up. He's Ryan. He's 22 years old. He's second day on the job. He's very unsure of himself. I don't know if I can you know, really take care of you and all this. We're reassuring him. Ryan, you're going to do fine. It's going to be great. So we go through the whole meal, and he really did very well. We didn't have to lie. you know. How did I do? Great. <laughs> Spilled coffee on my pants. You know, no, <laughs> he didn't do that. He was good. And now we're at the point in the experience called the last run. That's where he comes with the bill, and we say goodbye and all that. And and this restaurant had a kind of a long aisle that he had to walk through to get to us. And I, I turned my head, and I looked right as he was coming into that aisle. And something happened. The glory of God was... I can't even explain it to you rationally. All of a sudden, it was just there. And I saw him through that glory. Just like I would see someone in this room tonight, because here we expected, we've worshiped. Now we've had the word, now we've had prayer already over several people. We're about to have more. Oh, man. But just like I expected here, I was in expectancy of it there in the restaurant. And he came and stood at the end of our booth, and and uh, I looked up at him, and this is all I said. I didn't ask him to repent. I didn't wit- witness, quote-unquote, to him. And there is a time to do that, by the way. But I didn't in this encounter. I looked up at him, and I said, Ryan, could we pray a prayer of blessing over you and over your work here in the restaurant? And he goes, oh, would you? So I prayed about, and when you're in these situations, keep it short, okay? Seriously, don't go into the religious thing. Oh, Lord God, as we thank thee for our waitereth, Ryaneth, who hath manifested himself unto us here at our table. Oh, mighty Lord God, don't pray like that, okay? Pray in English, Okay? And i just prayed about a 42nd blessing over him the pastor did the same thing then when the pastor's last word came out of it was a lady pastor out of her mouth ryan hit the floor on his knees i'm serious at the end of a booth and the rest of it, he threw his hands in the air And this is what he exclaimed. Oh, God, I'm coming back to you. I can't resist you anymore. Will you take me back? Forgive me, God. I'm coming home. And we're like, whoa. I'm serious. And right behind him was this huge table of ladies that he was also waiting on. He did not even care. He was just gone in Jesus. And I was like, wow, Lord. Your manifested glory is really amazing. Hallelujah. Expect it. Expect it at work. Expect it at school. Expect it out when you're shopping. Just it it doesn't even have to be a special effort. And praise God for special efforts. I believe it. We lead them all the time in evangelisms and outreaches and so forth. But what if we all just started doing this as we live life? Just when we shop, just when we're we're going going somewhere. Just take time for the person in front of you, like 40 seconds. That, that's a pretty pretty minimal investment of your lifespan. Amen. Because you're living at this meeting point of authority and power, and any good thing can happen. Hallelujah. Let's stand up together, please. Hallelujah he's a good God and he loves you if you want prayer tonight I would really love to pray for you Um, several reasons why you might want to come up here one might be to get into a better alignment and a better unity with this power and authority working in you because it, i'm telling you it is real from the life of jesus itself from my own experiences and many others it's true some of you here may have uh, great needs in your life in your uh, body or other places i'd love to pray with you over that we are on a roll in Heart of the Father Ministries right now. (laughs) You may think this is weird. I, I think it's wonderful. The last three places I've been, that includes three states, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Florida. The last three places I've been, and each one of them a young man in his 30s has been healed of degenerative disc disease to the point where, and these guys could not bend over, they could not twist their toward they're bending and leaping and jumping and praising God after Jesus healed them. And I, I'm just telling you that testimony to help you believe that Jesus can meet your need, whatever it is. Hallelujah. So, I'll be down here at the front. Pastor, any other guidance you want to give us with that? All right, I'll be down here at the front. I'd love to pray over you. And um, we'll just believe God for powerful things.